I went out and bought a new pair of headphones just nice. for this. And my son said to me, why would you buy something with a cord? Because I said, because Val told me how to. He said, you're just, you're just an old man. So. <laughs> I don't think Val told you to. I told him to get She out. did. She said, you said you need a cord, didn't you? I thought you did. Well, what does that say about you? I'm professional. Hi guys, good morning. Welcome to episode 4 of the Hogwake Dairy Spew. We have a very fun-filled episode today. We will be talking about some issues on the Oceania new season and we have a special guest from Hogwarts Australia, John MacArthur. But first things first, good morning, Charles. Yo, 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 Val. Hey. Hi, Val. And due to capacity restrictions, we have ousted Tom. That's to make space for our latest member of the Hogwarts Singapore team. Hi, Val. Hi, everyone. I'm Elvin. Very nice to be here. Elvin, 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 Elvin. Elvin, so I think a lot of our listeners have been asking, oh, who is Elvin? Tell us more. We want to know. So tell us more about yourself. So I just came back from Dubai. I was based in Dubai for the past three years. Uh, very fun. I was doing petrochemicals trading there. So I recently just came back to Singapore, to Hong Kong. And before that, I was doing a three-week quarantine. And that is probably the longest three weeks of my life. For the record, he was serving his quarantine at Ritz Carlton, <laughs> so cannot complain. So, Elvin, maybe you can share a little bit about your newly allocated portfolio. Yeah, of course. So, um, I'm handling the Bangladesh market, Myanmar, um, Singapore, and Malaysia. Yeah, welcome, Elvin. Welcome to the Hogwag team. We like to call ourselves the A team. There's no plan B when you have the A team. Okay, Elvin, we have some serious business today. I am starting a new tradition. We are going to ask you three dairy-related questions throughout the course of this podcast just to test your ability and whether you know about the markets or not. So these questions can be asked anytime throughout this podcast. Oh, you need to get all three correct before we invite you back. So, Godspeed. So, guys... About the market, I mean, it's clear with all the COVID lockdowns and scares in our region, demand hasn't been great and uh, we're seeing also prices reflect that. So what are your thoughts, Charles? Yeah, I'll say a thing or two about the skimp market. I think uh, no surprises, like you said, Val, prices have come down quite a bit. Like you said correctly as well, I think a lot of the demand has been impacted by various COVID developments around the world, especially here in Southeast Asia. If you look at when buyers need product, they need still for a prompt, right? A lot of inquiries still coming in for, hey, can you ship in in September? So I think it's a question of timing. When will the skim milk market bottom out? To be really, really honest, at the end of the day, my belief is that the fundamentals still will prevail and that supply is being outdriven by demand. And by the end of this year, we expect global stocks to drop. And at some point, the market is going to U-turn. How about buttermilk powder side day? I think in the short term, demand seems to be rather weak. Major buyers still need to buy for Q4. For that, I believe that market will be a little bit quiet. For the whole dairy complex, I think one big question that customers usually ask at the moment is, how much more room does prices can fall? What do you think, guys? 
Yeah, million dollar question, right? I think uh, later John will speak a bit about it as well. Uh, if you look at farm gate prices at the moment, they indicate that, that we're not at an equilibrium, so to speak. Very difficult. But again, like you mentioned, your buyers need to buy. You know, people need product, right? We're hearing now uh, in certain countries that even though they are in lockdown, what's the category of product that's performing well? Dairy products, people at home drinking milk, eating yogurts. Very hard to say, but I think our conclusions are really quite telling. You know, short term, there's this room for it to move, but at some point, really should be a U-turn. So for for me over at the Sweetway Powder side, on top of the usual COVID scares, we also have the ASF and the fact that China is buying less for feed. Pork prices in China falling. Still very unsure if there's any government stocking that will take place. Some are in the opinion that there will not be. The demand and supply will equalize on the price. We're seeing feed, permeate. It's all very soft. So on the food side, of course, you know, a lot of our buyers are experiencing lockdowns. Factories are not operating at full capacity. And likewise, demand has been pretty down and uh, pushing back on what they need to buy. Yeah, and just a brief note on about China. I think definitely China's lack of demand is the main reason why market has been quite weak for the past two, three weeks. And then if we were to take a step back to look at the import statistics, I think it's good to point out that for... First half of the year, year-on-year year, skim milk powder imports, there was an increase of 38%. And for whole milk, there is a 40% increase. And then at the moment, from our China office, it's reported that stocks are relatively high at the moment. Things will remain a bit quiet. But in the coming months, demand will pick up. And if you look at the import stats, it signifies a strong recovery from China. With that, I think coming to September, October, demand logically should step in from China. So today, guys, we have a very, very special guest from Down Under. We have John MacArthur. He's going to be talking about Oceania and whatever everybody needs to know about that region. So good morning, John. Hi Val, how are everyone? How are you today? Doing very well. Thank you for taking the time to uh, join the podcast. We're very excited to have you in our episode four. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. So John, very quickly, can you introduce yourself, like what you have been doing with Hogwarts and uh, what do you like doing, you know, for leisure? I heard you surf. I've been uh, working with Hogwet for over 20 years now. Um, it's been quite an enjoyable and challenge uh, uh, process building the office uh, from early days to, to now where the business sits, um, which has uh, grown considerably. Um, I'm a member of uh, three on the commercial team here in Hogwet Australia. In the office, there's 10 of us, uh, including logistics, supply chain, finance, and then the three commercial. Uh, the main role of Hogwet Australia is to source, procure, supply dairy ingredient from Oceania to all, our, to all the Hogwet clients around the world, which is predominantly done through our sister companies around the globe, such as Hogwet Singapore, whilst also having some direct relationships ourselves where it works from a group perspective. Hogwet Australia, over recent times, has also uh, has a significant involvement in trading dairy derivatives on, on NZX, both for... Uh, hedging and uh, speculative purposes. 
Separately, my, my current role um, is being part of the team, the commercial team, to work with our key supply partners in Australia and New Zealand in sourcing uh, ingredients. And then in conjunction with uh, Hogwet colleagues uh, in various offices, look after uh, China, Southeast Asia, the Americas, North to South and New Zealand from a selling marketing perspective. Outside of uh, keeping quite busy with Hogwet, uh, I quite like to uh, surf and uh, spending time with family and friends. Um, luckily enough to live quite close to the ocean, so I spend quite a bit of time there and uh, have some acres, which I have a few steers and things running around on that. So that keeps me busy as well on weekends. From an Oceania perspective, just to, uh, I guess, introduce uh, in broad terms, um, in, in New Zealand, the milk production, it's grown exponentially over the last uh, 10 to 15 years, up to over 20 billion litres a year. And now it seems to be there's a lot of uh, discussion that this may or will stabilise this year's milk production or the season which has just ended. So it runs June through July. That is that was up 2.7% year end year on year ending in the current season. It was a strong production season on farm, and at point and at this point, it all looks very good for the new season. But um, always can be quite difficult to call with any definity of of what it'll do. But certainly, farm gate milk price forecast for the new season they're at record levels of uh, New Zealand dollars eight dollars per kilogram milk solids, and that's that hasn't been since seen since the 13 14 season. So. Uh, farmers keen to uh, produce and, and and get those returns for them. So, yeah, we don't expect uh, for the new season that uh, milk production will grow that much in New Zealand year on year. We think probably between 0.5 and 1.5%. Uh, there's many factors now constraining that, such as uh, environmental constraints, less conversions to dairy, you know, other, other enterprises being uh, more lucrative. Um, but of course, you know, improved productivity will counteract some of that negative uh, production growth. Um, Australia is a bit of a different story where a number of years ago, we were pretty much producing the same amount of milk as uh, New Zealand on an on a annual basis. But uh, we really have been static and gone backwards over the last, uh, in the same period of time where now we really struggle to produce, well, we won't produce 10 billion litres. Well, the, for the season just about completed, we should be up about 0.8 to 1% uh, on this current season. Expect there will be some growth in the in the coming season. Um, and again, there's very strong demand to to secure milk from the different processes. And and farmers are forecasted that there will be a Australian dollar seven seven dollars per kilogram milk solids, which is a, a a very decent return for them. A big key thing for for the industry this year, which they'll be watching also, is the exchange rate. Whereas in March 2020, the dollar was at uh, 58 cents to the US dollar, where it's been up to 78 cents in the sort of last 18-month period, where it's 74. That really does have a huge impact on returns. So that, that's a key factor. So, John, um, two questions for you. One is, what does $8 per kilogram milk solids uh, translate to in whole milk powder prices per tonne? And secondly, what does expectations mean? Does that mean that that is what's going to be paid to the farmers all season? Um, $8 per kilogram milk solids for a whole milk return is around uh, US dollar $36 to $3,700 per tonne, 
These prices are forecasted prices and, of course, uh, it's market-driven depending on what the market will do over the season. And, of course, we really haven't even entered into the season. That's starting, well, now and then the, and then production really gets underway and shipments uh, with uh, substantial volumes late August, then through the peak September, October, November, December. So, yeah, it, it remains to see what the market will do. Uh, we saw the GDT come down on the last event, a reasonable drop, which then, you know, you read in different reports that the forecasted milk return, that does have an impact on that, whether it be, you know, 10 cents uh, per kilogram milk solids, something like that. So it's a moving feast. Yeah, I think that's quite interesting because if you look at NZX, prices for October, November, December are quite in line with the price range you talked about. So I think the payouts look like um, where they are now at the moment on the futures market. Yeah, and that depends uh, exactly you know what does happen. Of course, we have seen a bit of weakness in the market over the last uh, four events. There's certainly good stocks of, uh, of whole milk in China. We've seen very strong imports, so there's inventory there. So we do see a softness in the market right now. But the key key question will be uh, under the uh, free trade window, does that demand recover or pick up? Certainly, China will still be buying substantial volumes of whole milk powder. And whether we see a recovery in Q4, there's the general consensus is may well do see that. And then that's decent volumes that are sold on the GDT at that period of time. Charles, I believe you have a question for Elvin. Yes. So, Elvin, I have the pleasure of asking you the easy question. First question, why don't cows have money? Because farmers milk them dry? I think for our, a lot of listeners, what's most pertinent and relevant would be what's going to happen going forward. What is our prediction on where we think the season will bring prices into? Um, whole milk, it's not an easy one. Um, it's its very much China-driven. The you know New Zealand exports around 1.5 to 1.6 million tonnes of whole milk powder during the season. China, they import around 700,000 tonnes even even more. They are a substantial buyer, so the market really uh, does evolve around what they will do. And they'll continually buy, but it's just a matter of whether we see them step back into the market and how quickly they do. Well, when I say step back into the market, maybe uh, looking to have uh, product arriving for the free trade window, which is January 1 onwards. And as I said earlier, our expectations at this point in time is we may see some further softening. But uh, but then if it does, then do we see um, it creep up again when there's a bit more demand on the GDT? Yeah, John, another question that some of our, the buyers are also asking, given the current skim milk prices, how, how will milk be valorized? I think from Oceania, from what I can see and what we see at the moment, we won't be seeing more uh, skim or AMF. It's not valorizing as well uh, as whole milk is. And historically, the dryers in New Zealand in particular 
are set up to produce whole milk and produce it in large volumes per hour, long runs and produce it efficiently. That won't change. In the peak, there is a large wall of milk that is coming uh, towards the processes and it just needs to be processed. Skim out of Australia and New Zealand will find their customers. There's there's customers that have it approved, a brand specific, etc. So they will pay the price, even if it's at a premium to uh, the EU or the US. And, and AMF, I think for the last two seasons, has been about 220,000 tonnes exported out of New Zealand. Um, that could come back just a fraction from a valorization perspective. And secondly, also, there's a few producers which have indicated that uh, they will produce less AMF, but it won't be significant. In, in total, it might amount to maybe 10, 20,000 tonnes less based on what we know now. So skim will find its way to the market without any dramatic changes of valorization and that sort of thing. Seems like uh, what Oceana is valorizing would be pretty supportive on skimmed as well as AMF prices for the new season. Yeah, I think so. Although AMF, is, of course, is, a, is always uh, quite unpredictable is it at high levels as it is. Certainly from a butter equivalent basis, it's, it's above butter at the moment question that I have from our buyers. Um, it's no secret that in Southeast Asia, we're quite struggling with COVID. In big markets like Indonesia and Malaysia, lockdowns are expected for the next coming weeks. What do you think is the impact of the food service industry onto, let's say, demand for butter and prices of uh, commodities in Oceania? Because then I can imagine that, you know, uh, it's no surprise that AMF is outperforming butter because probably the retail in these countries are not doing so well. Or is it? I think definitely it can have an impact, but I think a lot of the butter that's manufactured, well, not so much from Fonterra, but um, some of the other butter producers, they're manufacturing butter that's going into retail products or food service and going, well, there is product going into those markets, but it's going to other markets as well. And including even, for example, Australia is a, is a large domestic market for uh, New Zealand butter and, of course, product that's produced here. So the, the, the domestic market for cream has softened, but there's a decent amount of uh, cream that uh, and butter products that is actually consumed domestically here in Australia. So I don't know that those particular markets that you mentioned would have a big impact on, on butter prices. Okay, so we interrupt this podcast for our second question to Elvin. Elvin, your next question is, what do you call a grumpy cow? Think about it. Take your time. Don't get it wrong. What is your answer? Regarding this question, I think I actually prepared it when I was uh, preparing myself for the dairy industry. <laughs> so the answer is because they are moody. some interesting products coming up from Oceana, you know, instant fat filled products or even butter oil substitutes. It seems like it's something which our buyers might be interested in. Yeah, definitely, Val. I think um, 
It's not for every client, but we've been selling uh, fat-filled milk products and and also replaces for AMF and butter. They're, they're products that, whether it's from a commercial perspective, looking for an alternative that can functionally perform as well and sometimes better than a dairy product and, and offer significant cost savings. We've been doing that over many years. Historically, we've done it in developing markets, but also in well-established dairy markets too. So we're applying more of a focus on it now. We have the products, you know, with, that we can offer to the clients. So more than happy to uh, discuss these different products, how they might fit their needs. It might not need to be a 100% replacer. It might be that you just have uh, 30% of, of the uh, recipe using those products and that's already offering a, a cost saving without uh, affecting the functionality or the end product. More than happy to look at that and see uh, how it might present as an opportunity for the customers in Southeast Asia. Thanks, John. Just to pick your brain a little bit more on this butter oil substitute, how is it different as compared to EMF? It's, it's a tallow-based uh, fat or it can be a vegetable-based fat and then it's they're using uh, flavours basically replicate exactly AMF, for Examples and the same applies to the butter replacers. So replacing butter, and if you didn't know when you're tasting it, it's uh, it's very similar. Cookies or ice cream or something like that, then utilize the product in the same recipe without any difference uh, noticed in the in the finished product. Say if AMF is at five thousand nine hundred six thousand today, where would where would a butter oil substitute? As a one-to-one replacer, um, you could be saving yourself at least uh, percent, 65, 70% of your spend on that particular ingredient. Wow, um, that's what, $4,000 a ton? I think our phones will be ringing. <laughs> Let's hope so. All right, Elvin, here comes the most difficult question. What do you call a cow in an earthquake? Okay, this is getting really tough. Is it a cow word? Nice try, but no. You're so close. Don't any any hint for me? You need an A-plus effort for this, Alvin. Come on. Everybody likes it. That's a hint. Okay, I got it. It's a milkshake. We hope you enjoy this episode of Hogwake Dairy Spew. So we want your input. If you have any questions or if there's any specific topics or products you guys want us to zoom into, do feel free to let us know and we will be happy to incorporate that into our next episodes. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Hogwake Singapore's A-Team over and out.